0: bring our lives in conformity to his will. Now those first two uh, we can find in Romans chapter 1 verse 21 sort of in a a backward way because it's telling what's happened to man and that they failed to do that for although they knew God they didn't honor him as God or praise him or glorify him as God nor give him thanks but they became futile in their thinking their foolish hearts were darkened. The third one of those, conforming our lives to his will, comes out in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which is what I would like to look at tonight as it applies to family. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now that's King James, because that's what I grew up with, uh, understanding that you may have some different forms there. For 11 chapters in the, the letter to the, the Roman church, the believers in Rome, he has been talking about the mercies of God. He starts out after his introduction for almost three chapters showing how we are absolutely sinful and the entire world is guilty before God. And then he moves on to show that it's by grace through faith alone, that we can be made right with God. And it's not just that. He goes on that grace isn't just how we get right with God initially. It's how we grow in him. And in the following chapters, starting Romans 5, it says, We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And he moves on and tells how that is And finally, he gets in in chapters 9 through 11, uh, dealing with Israel, and concludes there that he has consigned all, that is, God has consigned all, Jew and Gentile alike, to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. And so he starts then, chapter 12, with, I beseech you, I implore you, I plead with you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's interesting that in the German translation of the word, which is your reasonable service, ESV has your spiritual worship, which is really a good uh, translation here because sometimes we think of service in the sense of deacon service. That's not the word here. It's It's the word that talks about temple worship, a priestly service. And the German word is the same word they used for the Sunday morning worship service. It's your reasonable worship service. And then he goes on for the most of the rest of the letter until he gets to the greetings at the end, talking about our relationships. Now here's the real challenge for Americans. We are an extremely individualistic culture. If you go through the uh, analyzing the world cultures, are they more community oriented or individualistic? America is right up at the top on individualistic. We look at these two verses and think, well, this is about me presenting my bodies, you know, how I live. That's true. But it's how you live in relationship with others that Paul makes the emphasis. He moves into talking about the uh, parts of the body and how that pictures the parts of Christ's body as we relate to one another. He even moves on in chapter 13 to how we relate to government, how we relate in chapter 14 to those who uh, maybe are weak in, in, in the body of Christ and how we should relate to them. Uh, he continues with that theme in, in chapter 15 as well. So the, the foundation verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 set the tone for the rest of of the letter of how we relate to one another. And if it's about relations, certainly it should be applied to our family life. What does it mean that we present our bodies a living sacrifice as our reasonable, acceptable worship to God in our families? There's two commitments he calls us to in these two verses. One is in that first verse, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which I would say your entire earthly existence is dedicated to God. And the second one in verse 2 is to be transformed and not conformed by the world, by the renewal of your mind. And I think as it leads on, by testing you may discern what is the will of God. It's as, you, as you, your life is conformed and shaped by God's will, you are re- you are saying i'm i'm willing to do what god says as we heard this morning that's part of submission accepting where god has put you and the character that god wants you to have so the first commitment here is he's calling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice now there's there's the importance of the of the body is is sometimes overlooked by some christians we think of, well, I die, body gets buried, and I go, and my, it's my spirit. But God created us as body, soul, and spirit. We are essentially both body and spirit. And you can see that in a number of ways. One, it's in the redemption story. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? It brought death into the world, spiritual death and physical death. And you move on in the chapters of, early chapters of Genesis, and what do you get? And he begat so-and-so, and he died. And he begat so-and-so, and he died. And he died, and he died, and he died. And it goes on through the whole chapter. Sin brought death, physical death. We see it in the incarnation. God became man. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Christ had to be, take on a body to save us. And then our salvation isn't just forgiving us and saving our spirit. One day we're going to be resurrected. And we're going to be transformed into his likeness. And that's something great that we can look forward to. Our bodies are part of what, uh, who we are. The body is also the vehicle by which our, our inner being expresses itself. And you find that scattered throughout both the Old and New Testaments. Luke uh, chapter 11. Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye. How do you perceive things? What goes into your head? Well, it's what goes through your eye, what you listen to. Matthew chapter 12 and and elsewhere, also in the Gospels, Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. How how do we express ourselves? Well, what comes out of your mouth? And in the series that you have, that will be dealt with, I believe. I think uh, Rodney's dealing with Talking uh, in, in the home. Romans chapter 8. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's how we... It's, it's our actions. Our body is that way. So to present our bodies is something very concrete. It's not just a, a spiritual thinking thing, some mystical. It's, it means all that we say, all that we do what we do with our hands, what we say with our mouths, what we listen to, what we hear with our ears, see with our eyes. It's where we go with our feet. Everything should be dedicated to God. That children's song, will be careful little hands, what you do. Be careful little eyes, what you see. Careful little mouth, what you say. That's a really important song that we should listen to. It's a message that is important for us. Furthermore, Paul exhorts them to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. Maybe total dedication is a less figurative way to, pre- to describe that. But to present as a living sacrifice, it's literally, the term refers to a bloody sacrifice. It's the term that was used for the, the animal that was put on an altar and, altar and killed in the Old Testament. And up until 70 B.C., the Jews sacrificed animals. And usually there was no further use for that animal afterwards. Some were whole burnt offerings. It was done with. In a few cases, they could get to eat the sacrificed animal, but uh, sometimes it was fully, fully burned. We bring our bodies not to sacrifice literally, but figuratively. We no longer exercise independent rights over our lives. We give our lives fully to God to worship him and to serve him. In the description given by Paul, I think this, this conf- confirms what, what this and expands it. It's a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, and your spiritual worship. It's living because it's not like the Old Testament sacrifice that was killed. It's living because it's not just once, but for our entire lives. We continue living it out. Remember that Jesus said anyone who would come after him, follow him should deny himself and take up his cross daily. The cross was a a means of execution. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Uh, it's a holy sacrifice because you've been set apart to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been both cleansed by his blood and you've been set apart to God. You are holy. Not on the basis of our own actions, but on what Christ has done for us. And it's acceptable to God because this is something that God like, likes it's pleasing to God, and that's important. It's your spiritual or, or reasonable service, worship service. That word translated spiritual or reasonable has to do with our thinking or our reason. And it's not something automatic, and it's neither should be something mechanical. It occurs back in chapter 4 of this uh, letter, Romans chapter 4, verse 4. To the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. That's the same word. Count it. Uh, this is our reasonable service because we are were bought with a price, with the blood of Jesus Christ. It figures when we use that term. Well, it just figures. Well, you add it up. Those are figures, right? Two plus two is four. It figures. Well, we were bought with a price. It's it's the th- reason it out. You're not your own anymore. This is our reasonable service. Also because we were made in the image of God. We're not animals. It's reasonable and spiritual because we're now priests and our worship and service is part of priestly duties. Well, if you've been called to be a priest, it's just reasonable. You've got to have a sacrifice, don't you? Well, your bodies should be a living sacrifice. The second commitment which we call because of the mercies of God, is found in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are called to conform your entire lives to to God's character and his will. Now, he gives two possibilities, a wrong way and a right way. The wrong way is don't be conformed to this world. You you don't want to be conformed to this world. That's, That's the wrong way to be shaped or formed. Conformed, the word there has the sense of fitting something outwardly, but without having a true inward connection. You can, you can do a, uh, a statue, you can take clay and shape it into the form of a, uh, a bird, but it's not a bird. You can, you can paint a picture, and it look, can look just like the person, but it's not the person. There's no connection, essential connection. That's the word here. Don't be shaped into something that you're not. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been changed. Paul it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. The world that is, is trying to shape us is this present age? We are told in, also in Second Corinthians that the God of this world, or this age, is Satan. You read in Galatians that the age is this age is evil. In 1 Corinthians that, that its wisdom is foolishness. That's not what you want shaping your lives. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who has been made new, you are in your essence different. But the world will try to press you into a mold that, to keep you from living in a way that's consistent with who God has made you to be. Some of those, some of those uh, pressures can be very obvious. Others can be very subtle. And the subtle ones, I think, are the more dangerous ones. They're often hidden. Uh, a, uh, perhaps a silly illustration is, I can remember, advertisements for laundry detergent saying, buy this laundry detergent, your, your whites will be whiter, and you got to buy this laundry detergent. And the average person will say, well, I don't really need to buy that one. This one's cheaper. I'll buy that laundry detergent. They've rejected the obvious by my product. But they go away assuming that my whites always have to be white. What's wrong with a dingy shirt? Is there anything evil about a dingy shirt? And... If you think you haven't assumed that, what do you think of a person when you see, and you see, well, their white shirt is sort of not white anymore. It's kind of off. I wonder what type of person they are. You You have assumed a worldly attitude about something simple. Now, take it to a more spiritual level. Some of you remember when the Harry Potter movies and books came out, Christians were rightly so upset about the uh, influence that the idea of witchcraft and the occult could have on children. But I think they missed the greatest danger there. And that was the attitude toward authority. It it elevated and celebrated rebellion against authority, against parents, against authority structures. And that's something kids do right away. I mean, they... And this just helped in that. And so they miss the subtle dangers that are there. The world is trying to press you into its mold. Satan is at the head of that. And he wants you to think like he thinks. If we allow ourselves to be conformed to this world, we will not fit our new nature. The second possibility is to allow ourselves to be transformed. Now, that word transformed is related to our English word, metamorphism. And you all know about the idea of that. A caterpillar changes into a butterfly. A tadpole changes into a frog. The DNA never changes. The DNA of the butterfly is the same as the caterpillar, of the frog, of the tadpole. It just has changed its form. It has become what it was intended to be. And you're called to be transformed, to become outwardly what you have been made inwardly. It's correctly translated when it's translated as a passive, be transformed, because it's we need God's work in our life to do that. And He does that through His Word. In His Word, we get to see Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, we learn that we are transformed as we behold Jesus. And we look at him. We are transformed from glory to glory. As we understand who he is and let his word dwell among us richly, encouraging one another, as we heard this morning again, as we speak the truth to one another and encourage each other, we are transformed, we are changed. And the purpose of this transformation is to have the ability to prove the will of God, to show that God's will is really good. Through experience, to recognize that the will of God is pleasing to him. It's perfect. It's a good thing. And it's necessary to be transformed in order to recognize this. So what does this look like in the home? To worship God by presenting your body a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, one is our roles as parents and children, as husbands and wives, singles living alone, and some of that you've already touched on as you go through that. Colossians 3, verse 20, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Interesting, same word as in Romans, chapters 12, 1 and 2. Well-pleasing, that this is your acceptable, this is your well-pleasing Worship service. So, children, young people, parents, as you instruct your kids, your obedience to your parents is a way to worship God. And your disobedience is saying, I don't care about worshiping God, I'm going to worship myself, my own desires. Uh, You set yourself up as an idol. I'm going to worship something else. Ezekiel warns the Jews about the idols of their heart. And that's what we do when we disobey. I want to do what I want to do. I'm not going to do what what pleases God. Parents, on the other hand, why do you want your children to obey? Well, too often it's for our own convenience. (laughs) Be quiet because I need some peace. And we're inconsistent and we end up exasperating our kids because one day we're telling them not to do something the next day we're allowing it because the one day bother doesn't and the next day it doesn't. That's not consistent. And we're not helping them to worship God because we have set up an aisle in our heart. I want my convenience. If I'm, if I'm going to dedicate my life, my body as a living sacrifice, I have to be consistent in what I demand of my children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, begins with, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. So far, it really sounds a lot like worship, and it is. The sentence continues. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. We, you've been hearing about submitting as you go through 1 Peter. It's an act of worship. Wives, to your own husbands. As to the Lord, it's not changed from worship. How we relate as husbands and wives in our home is an act of worship to God. husbands as you deny yourselves to serve your wife as Christ denied himself to serve us you portray the relationship of Christ to the church you are showing how good god is how good christ is that's worship when you praise god in doing that when you consider i've heard i've heard tell that considering your wife that way is Considering her an eight-cow wife. Uh, it's a gift of, a gift of, of uh, favor from God. Proverbs 18.22 says, The man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So what do we do? We thank God. That's worship. And we should be worshiping God in the way we thank God for our wives. All of you. Families, couples, singles, you may have chores in the home that seem drudgery. Might seem like slave work. The laundry. Always, the more kids you have, it seems the more laundry you have to do. And when winter comes, there are bigger and bigger loads because the clothes get thicker and thicker. Cleaning toilets, doing dishes, it just all keeps going on and on. Well, slaves in that time period, they didn't have too much of a choice of what they got to do. They were told, and they just had to do it. But what does Paul tell the slaves? Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as you re- as your reward you are serving the lord christ our household chores maintaining the car whatever whatever it is we have to do just to keep things functioning can be done to the lord as worship Amen. it's not just our half hour that we read the bible together and pray together with as a family it's the chores that you do when nobody's there. It's the chores that have to be done. And you do it with the right attitude. So what then should come out of our mouths? If it's worship, do we complain? Oh, I've got to do this again. I've got to go vacuum the car out. I've got to wash the car. You know, Whatever it is. Uh, no. We give thanks for everything. I've had opportunity to twice serve in, in Africa. I know... Joe, you've been there as well. I think it's a great experience to come back and just be thankful for water I can drink right out of the faucet. And it comes hot and cold. Well, I had hot and cold running water in in Africa. It was hot at the end of the day, and it was cold in the morning. That's just the way it was. Uh, And you had to filter it. You didn't even dare brush your teeth with the water. You had to have it filtered or boiled and to come back and just be thankful for running water. Instead of complaining, oh, I've got to wait 30 seconds for it to get warm. We worship God by giving thanks for the things that we have. What do we, why do we work at our employment? Remember that in biblical times, most work was home-based, either in farming or raising animals. It wasn't until the Industrial Revolution, which wasn't that long ago, 150 years ago, that work was moved outside the home. Work, because it still affects your family so much, should be considered part of family life. Even though you're out of the house, your absence affects the family. Your preoccupation with work will affect the family. Your attitude toward your work will affect your family especially when it's expressed, but often even when it's not expressed. Uh, I'm sure my wife, Kathy, can give testimony to that. You come back and totally preoccupied, still thinking about it, even without saying anything. So I have to consider even my work outside the home as part of my family life, because it affects it. Well, do am I worshiping God with my work? Uh, and how I if, I, if I'm going to worship him, I'm going to have to give thanks for work. I'm going to need to teach my children the right attitude toward work. Work is something God gave us. He gave it to Adam before sin ever came into the world. He, he created a garden and put Adam in it and gave him that to work. It's something good. It's the thorns and things that came later from sin that make it more difficult. But work in itself is something good, and we need to teach that to our children. And how I speak about my work is going to affect my children. If we present our bodies as living sacrifice, what about eating or exercise or rest? These are the way we deal with our bodies. It's right and good to give thanks before a meal. It should not be an empty ritual, but it should be an act of worship. Every good gift comes from our Father in heaven, and that includes food. Enjoy it as a gift from God, give thanks to him. But do not let food become an idol. It says, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their desires. (laughs) See, Anne smiling because she knows a uh, case where she and our, one of our, our sons, Daniel, our second son, were arguing about the last piece of dessert. I forget, was it a Rice Krispie treat or a cornflake? I don't know what it was, something Kathy had made. And our son was the one who was guilty. Daniel was the, was the culprit in this fight. And I sent him up to his room, which was always a bad sign. At least they thought it was a bad sign. But he was surprised because I came up with, with this last piece of dessert on a dish, and I set it down on a, on a stool, and I said, Daniel, why don't you get, kneel down and worship this? And he looked at me, and he's, he still uses this himself in, in giving. And he said, I knew I was just wrong. I shouldn't do that. And then I explained this verse to him. I said, Daniel, you were acting like your God was your belly. Your belly was your God. You are more concerned about feeding your belly than you were acting right towards your sister. That is taking the word of God and putting it into practice in your family life. It's seeking to be transformed by renewing your mind. saying This is what worship of God should be is taking the word of God and shaping, letting it shape our lives. Our selfish desires can become an idol, and we no longer worship God. Why should we exercise? Well, Paul says bodily training is of some value, 1 Timothy 4.8, but most important, the bodies of true believers are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We care for our bodies as an act of worship, It's not because I want to look good. It's not because of whatever the world is saying, you need to to be doing this. No, we do it because our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't exercise excessively and make that an idol. And we don't neglect it and let our bodies fall apart. We find out that right amount to care for the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same can be said for rest or sleep. Give your minds and your bodies the proper rest because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Give thanks for the sleep which he gives. Sometimes you don't get it. (laughs) Nursing mothers and old people understand that. (laughs) Uh, But when he gives it, you give thanks. And you give thanks when he doesn't. For whatever reason, he wakes you. Our mouths, eyes, ears, all part of our bodies. We are to present our mouths, our eyes, our ears as part of the living sacrifice. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it may give grace to those who hear. You worship God when you control what comes out of your mouth. And that's not just with an hour of worship time. That's from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. What comes out of your mouth is an act of worship to God. Should be. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. That's that's repeated twice in Matthew's gospel. Job made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Job 31, verse 1. In contrast, the ungodly have no fear of God before their eyes. Romans three verse eighteen, and false teachers have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin second peter two fourteen You choose to worship God or not by what you do with your eyes. What do you watch on your phone, on your tablet, TV? what do you read? Can it always be considered honoring to God? It was convicting as. You know, Having prepared this and thought through it, I was on my phone looking at some news feeds and was like, am I worshiping God at this moment? I, this, I could be doing something better with my time than, than looking at some of these things. Uh, that's not to say you're not supposed to be informed about the world, what's going on, but you need to evaluate it. What's going into my head? What, what am I, how am I using my eyes? If I've given them as a living sacrifice to the Lord... It's no longer my choice to fill my desires, but what pleases him. I'm thankful for, for Kathy in this regard because well, we only had, we've been married for 48 years now. And we had a television for three months when we were house-sitting for someone. Because I have trouble controlling watching television. If I start something, I want to see it to the end. And Kathy's the type, she said, we don't need to watch this anymore, and she'll turn it off. I need that. Or not to have a television, which we, was our choice. Uh, she's much easier just to, to, no, this is wrong, shut it off. I don't want to not worship God by what I let in my eyes. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Proverbs 22:17. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Proverbs 18:15. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she's old. Listen. Proverbs 23:22. You can worship God by listening to wise instruction. So children listen to your parents. Adults listen to wise biblical counsel and by doing so, you acknowledge that the word of the Lord is good. You are recognizing God for who he is, all wise and loving. Paul in Romans 1 said that's worshiping God. When we listen to wise counsel. And if you've noticed, every one of these considerations is based upon scripture. Our thinking is transformed as God takes his word and applies it to our hearts and minds. So part of a lifestyle of family worship needs to be that regular consideration of the Word of God. Now, that includes, but is not limited to, reading the Bible. As I mentioned before, we, we read the Bible regularly with our kids. I started with our oldest son. Uh, he's in his 40s now. <laughs> uh, but when he was little, we read... The, now, there were parts in Judges that I skipped over. I didn't read everything. Uh, judicious, for the age of the child... And there were times when I recognized I probably was reading too much in the Old Testament as our sons ran through the apartment saying, Come back here, you uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> but it was good to read the Bible together and to talk about it and to, to consider their questions. Read it regularly. Read it broadly. Parents, with your children... Start early in their lives, encourage them to ask questions, meditate it on, on it also, and think about it, consider its meaning, consider its possible applications, and apply it to your family life, whether individually, to your own growth, or for others in your family. Discuss what you are learning. It's good when families can go home from a, a Sunday service and talk about the sermon. I'm, I'm glad to see so many young people that are in your morning service together, that you can talk about the the message together what did you understand what did you not understand but most of all adults let young people and others see your submission to the word of god you've already gone through chapter 3 of first peter wives if you have husbands that are not submissive to the word Even without a word, live in a way that God can use to convict them. That's what we need to be doing. That means when I have sinned against my child, to be able to go to even a six-year-old and say, I lost my temper. I should not have gotten angry that way. Would you forgive me? Don't just say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? You're worshiping God when you do that. Because you're submitting yourself to what God has said. And that is honoring God for who he is. That's worship. That's a a lifestyle of worship in your family. It's that daily commitment to lay your life on the altar and let God, by his word, Renew your mind and transform you into who he has made you to be inwardly. To change those outward things that the world is trying to press, the mold it's trying to press you into. To change that and become the beautiful creation that is the Lord Jesus Christ in you. What if you're the only believer in your family? Well, you may not be able to lead others in worship. But your fear of God, revealed in how you live, is an act of worship and a testimony to the fact that God is worthy of worship. Family worship should not be restricted to a small segment of the day, although it's great to have those focused times, and you should do that as much as you can. But your entire life at home should be an act of worship. So let the word of God renew your minds, transform your lives, So that you are different from the world and from those who continue in the bondage of their sinful nature. Let your family life be holy and pleasing to the Lord. It's your acceptable, your pleasing worship service. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the families that are represented here. The desire to follow you and to be honoring to you. And I would pray that you, as the God of endurance and encouragement, would grant them to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together they may with one voice glorify you as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask this in his name. Amen.